Recorded live. Hey, man, how you doing? All right, and yourself? Uh, doing all right, man. We're doing all right. I want to start out with the Bengals. I mean, this is pretty much real quick, man, just going through a couple of the things that are out there. You know, I'm going to throw some of, okay. these, um, throw some of these mock drafts at you and then, you know, just get your final prediction at the end of it, you know, what you think the Bengals are going to do. Okay. Um, and then we can, basically it could be two things. Honestly, it could be what the what you think the Bengals are going to do and what you want the Bengals to do. We'll start with what you want them to do and then finish up with what you actually think is going to happen. Because we always know that's what you know what I mean. It's yeah. <laughs> it's not always what you want, you know. Yeah, that is true. That is true. And then we'll go into uh, just a quick you know ten minutes about you know some thoughts of the spring game and how the scene was down there, you know the experience and that whole thing. Definitely, definitely, we'll do that. So, you let me know when you're ready over there. You know what I'm, saying? I'm, re- I'm ready, bud. I'm ready. So, sounds like you're over there in uh, Kentucky, man, doing air traffic control. I don't know. There's a lot of noise in the background, man. Yeah, I just turned down that, that path to the draft, man. I was just catching that. I've been, I've been looking in some of the Bengals chat groups on Facebook, and then I just said, man, let me, let me do my own research, and I pulled up some stuff. So, I'm ready, buddy. All right. an Ohio Bias presents... Excuse me, that's on me. With an Ohio Bias presents the seventy the I seventy one South podcast featuring Garrett Staples. This week we are predicting the draft with Garrett uh Garrett the Cincinnati Bengals are preferably on uh proverb pervert I can't even say the word. Proverbially proverbially yeah. on the clock. I got you, buddy. Yeah. Proverbially on the clock right now the Cincinnati Bengals and the whole Who Day Nation awaits Garrett. Uh, your thoughts going into this big, big week before the draft? Well, hey, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of Rocky, and, and hello with an Ohio bias. Uh, it's good to talk with you again, and we're we're right upon the NFL draft. And uh, if you've been keeping score or anything like that, if, if you're talking both of the uh, professional football teams in Ohio in regards to the Browns and the Bengals, we currently hold with also, you know, the added compensatory picks, 11 picks a piece, the most in the NFL uh, draft. So it's a lot of holes that need to be filled, and uh, you can really uh, attack those positions. Oh, we so, got way uh, more. Than, we got way more than that. Oh, you got way more than that. Well, I we got we got twelve. Me. The Browns have twelve by themselves. Okay, the Browns have twelve by themselves, but uh, you know it's going to be in Philly, the NFL draft, the twenty seventh through the twenty ninth of this month. And I'm just excited and looking forward to it. And I think Bangladesh, you know, there's some 
there are some holes they can fill with uh, some some quality guys because this is a deep draft, uh, especially defensively and, and, and at running back and uh, wide receiver. <clears throat> Absolutely, we're going to we're going to get in this podcast. We're going to get into uh, basically some of the mock drafts and what the pro- the the prognosticators are predicting. Um, get what Garrett thinks the Bengals need, what he wants to see the orange and black, uh, you know, do. And then, of course, get into what he thinks the Bengals front office will ultimately do. Um, Garrett, I heard one of the radio hosts up here jokingly say um, the Bengals will win the NFL draft if they don't take a defensive back, just like they've done the last three or four years in the first round. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm I'm sick of uh, (laughs) – that sounds about right. Like, I'm I'm really tired of uh, us taking a cornerback and and, – you know, we took William Jackson uh, last season, and this is the year you 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 got to start addressing because uh, they they the Bengals have issues on both sides where where you win ball games, offensive line and defensive line, and I, I just can't see them going uh, a cornerback again or a previous draft where we took two tackles back to back. I just don't see that happening. So. With this draft in the first round, the things the, the way I would like I, I would hope to have it fall is I would like for uh, Solomon Thomas out of uh, Stanford to be available. I would like for him to fall into our lap because I think uh, I love uh, Michael Johnson, a great guy, does a lot of things in the community, but he's really dropped off since he went down to Tampa Bay and came back. The Bengals just aren't generating enough uh, pass rush from the right end, you know, compared to Geno Atkins up the middle and uh, the left end with uh, Carlos Dunlap. They're just not getting enough uh, sustained pressure getting to the quarterback from the right side. So we definitely need to bolster the uh, pass rush. So I I would look at Solomon Thomas. I would hope he falls, but I wouldn't be upset. Uh, We have linebacker issues, the whole front seven with the defense, uh, it needs to be revamped. If you if you're talking, uh, you know, three out of the four because we run a four three, three out of the four you have uh, Demata Peco who was released. Uh, he's had some great years here. He went out to Denver via free agency, and you have an Andrew Billings who's going to fill that that gap now. He's going to be the the basically the quote unquote the new nose tackle. So you're going to have a Billings that I'm really looking forward to. Unfortunately, he had blew out his knee in training camp. I was actually at that training camp last season. And you'll have Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap projections, and then you would still probably have Michael Johnson starting currently as of right now. But you need a younger guy who can really apply pressure. So I would hope of Solomon Thomas Falls. But if that doesn't happen, like I said, uh, linebacking corps, um, you know, we finally relu- released um, Ray Maluga, who was one of those kind of stowed-age middle linebackers who really could only cover the middle. And nowadays you need a middle linebacker who can go from sideline to sideline and be able to cover and, and pass coverage. So I could see a, uh, a Reuben Foster from Alabama being maybe the, uh, the other pick if that doesn't happen. Well, let me throw a couple things at you real quick. Okay. Um, one, 
one, uh, the needs for the Bengals are as such, uh, as you said, uh, offensive line, um, linebacker, and definitely pass rusher. You agree with that, right? That I definitely do. I definitely do, especially with the uh, the key free agency departures, uh, with Kevin Zeitler, right guard, going up to you guys and uh, up in the land in Cleveland, and then with uh, Andrew Whitworth taking that taking that big payday to go uh, out there to uh, the Rams at his, at his age, advanced age. So, so what I want to do is throw a couple mock drafts out here. Is basically the guys that you mentioned. Um, it, there's pretty much a good consensus. The easier way to start is actually with the guys that aren't at defensive end, but um, it's pretty much a big consensus by all the pundits, um, and I'll go through the names and the sources where these uh, mock drafts have round one going, but pretty much everybody has the Bengals selecting a defensive end or a linebacker there at pick nine, and we know the Cincinnati Bengals have uh, the first-round pick at number nine, the second-round pick at number 41, and then a third-round pick at number 73, and that's how deep we're going to go in this podcast ladies and gentlemen um you can follow garrett on twitter to go seven rounds deep into the Bengals podcast but i mean into the Bengals uh possible picks but right here we're just going to uh discuss those you know uh first three rounds um mel kuyper jr has hassan reddick the linebacker from temple uh dider kurtenbach from fox sports has Derek barnett the defensive end from tennessee um walterfootball.com has solomon thomas being selected by the Bengals. The defensive end uh, from Stanford, as you mentioned, um, Mike Mayock has them also taking Hassan Reddick, um, and he's the number one linebacker on his board. Uh, Chris mm-hmm. Collinsworth has Derek Barnett with his uh, selection from Tennessee for the Bengals um, as as a uh, via Pro Football Focus, um, and just a couple more. Todd McShay also agrees that the Bengals need to take a defensive end and Solomon Thomas. So you're spot on there, Garrett. Um, is, is there any of those other guys that you think about though? I'm going to I'm going uh, to throw one more name out there to kind of confuse you. Um, one thing is the Bengals they did bring back. Um, What's what's my guy from uh, Brandon LaFell from uh, New England? This will be his second year. So the one thing the offense really did miss since uh, via free agency, you had uh, Marvin Jones Jr., our, our guy who could really take the top off the defense. He's in Detroit and had a great season. And then you, as you watch the Super Bowl and you watch the playoffs, uh, uh, one of our key slot guys, uh, uh, Mohamed Sanu, down in Atlanta, and what I'm, when I say that, I, I don't want you to rule out, and I believe they had him come into Cincinnati to work him out, don't rule out uh, Corey Davis from Western Michigan. They're pretty high on him as well. They're pretty high on him. And, uh, you know, there's, there's been some folks who are unhappy with, uh, unhappy with uh, Jeremy Hill's play. And... Uh, don't be don't don't be surprised. Uh, you know the a name that's been thrown out there is a uh, Leonard Fournette. Uh, that the Bengals uh, took a look at him, I believe, at uh, LSU. And then for sure, I know who they're very high on, and they had uh, this guy from Oklahoma come to uh, Cincinnati's facilities and 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 uh, the controversial pick, but uh, very productive, Joe Mixon. Yeah, there's a lot of people projecting that round two at forty, uh, round two, yeah, round two at forty-one that the Bengals will select Joe Mixon. Um, it's pretty much that's been the buzz around. Um, getting back to those possible offensive targets, though, 
at, at that pick number nine. I've also seen Mel Kuyper in a previous version of his mock drafts uh, have Mike Williams possibly there, and then Bengals.com had O.J. Howard up there. Um, but you're right, Kyle Phelps and a couple other pundits have Corey Davis from Western Michigan, um, who was very productive up there, the most productive receiver since Greg put the team on my back, though. Greg Jones? Greg Jones? Okay. Okay. Is that what okay. Greg Jones from the what? The Green Bay Packers. Green Greg Bay Jennings. Packers. Greg, Greg Jennings. Greg the, Jennings. The most, yeah, the most productive receiver since Greg Jennings at Western Michigan. Okay. Yeah. Um, like I said, you know, it, it's it's a combination of things that where if the Bengals go defense, then I, I kind of feel like then they go the opposite to offense. If they go offense in the first round, then I look at the second round being defense because, you know, the draft is just is really so deep at the, the, the defensive end positions uh, and D tackles, just, just defensive. This is a, a deep draft. Linebacker as well, uh, inside linebacker, you, you've got some great names. So uh, I, it, it's just whichever way they go the first round, if they go offensively, um, then I figure they'll go defense. If they go defense, then they'll go offense. It won't be like uh, that one year when we drafted back-to-back offensive tackles. Let me throw a couple more names out at you, and it's a couple guys that you probably had a real good look at. Um, one is in the second round. There's a couple projections of possibly taking uh, the defensive tackle from the team up north, Chris Warmly. Um, mm-hmm. WalterFootball.com, I have some taking Joe Mixon, as we mentioned. Um in that third round now, you guys might address that wide receiver position. Uh, I've seen a couple of them with uh, a projected selection of Juju Shoes. Juju Schuster. Schuster. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know what that's uh, the heart. Uh, and then possible forward. guard from Utah, Isaac uh-huh. Asiata. So that addresses that offensive line possible. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, I'm going to throw another name out here. I don't know – if he'd be available, he'd probably be available in the third round. I'm not sure, though, but he was he's the top center, so I doubt it. The, the third round, I'd even go second round uh, because they need to address this issue because they actually benched Russell Bodine, the uh, center. Uh, they re-signed T.J. Johnson, a guy out of South Carolina that can play uh, guard and center. But uh, Pat Ausline from uh, The Ohio State University, and I'm going to throw one more from uh, the team up north in the second round if he's available because just they re-signed uh, Sean Williams, uh, but the, the strong safety and free safety we they've really especially at free safety they've really struggled since uh, letting Reggie Nelson go via free agency to the Raiders. Don't I'm, I'm going to throw Jabril Peppers out there at the uh, in the second round as well. My bad, Isaac Asiata is a center and a guard. <clears throat> Jesus okay. Christ, it's not the night for me. Isaac Asiata is a center and a guard from uh, Utah, so he can play both positions. Uh, a couple more you think about possibly um, the number one, one, one of the big ones is the Ethan Pochek from down mm-hmm. here at LSU. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other one that uh, everybody would be familiar with, just at that offensive line center position, and uh, he's down there in the backyard brawl, would be Tyler Orlovsky, uh, the West Virginia Mountaineer product. Okay. And I'm I'm also going to throw in the second round, you know, J.J. Uh, Watt's little brother at line, outside linebacker because uh, you know we had what's what's my guy's name? He was he was with you guys and he came down here uh, to Cincinnati for a year and he oh my man, up. lobsters and mash, Carlos Dansby. 
Carlos Dansby. So I'm looking at maybe T.J. Watt at a uh, outside linebacker. That's a possibility at, in the uh, in the second round. Or if you want to go inside, you know, if a Raquan McMillan is still there, inside linebacker, or a Ben Bullware, you know, that's I, I think you're reaching a little bit Ben Bullware in the second round. But if Raquan McMillan is there in the second round, I, I, I could see them uh, pairing them up. Could you imagine pairing uh, Raekwon McMillan up with uh, with Vontez Burfecht and maybe a Nick Vigil? That's a, that's a great line, linebacker corpse right there. A couple other linebackers, uh, Jared Davis from Florida, and then a mm-hmm. very productive linebacker also in the SEC, Zach Cunningham of Vanderbilt, who was uh, very impressive for Derek Mason down there with the Commodores. That, those are possibilities as well. Cause they, so they that, really I'm like, thinking those guys will definitely be available in the third round. So that's that third exactly. round action, yeah. Exactly, exactly, and I'm not going to rule out, um, you know, even if even if they go defensive in the first round, I wouldn't rule out maybe a defensive end or a defensive def- uh, a hybrid defensive tackle. Because uh, the one thing the Bengals do, like just like uh, that that guard center that you named, they like guys who are versatile and can play multiple positions. So I even look at in the third round, if you're talking third round, uh, the defensive tackle from the Spartans, I don't think he'll fall that far. But uh, Malik McDowell, which is a hybrid player, which could play, they like, Cincinnati likes basketball players at defensive end. We know that Carlos Dunlap is an easy 6'5". Michael Johnson is about 6'6". Uh, Malik McDowell, the defensive tackle from the Spartans, he's an easy 6'5", or whatever. So they like those guys who can get their hands up and bat balls down if they can't get to the quarterback you know so i i, I wouldn't even rule i wouldn't rule that out in the uh, third round either as well uh the one thing you mentioned dermy hill that he was on uh I, I can't remember the source i think it was the Bengals put he it was, out though. He, was, he was on uh matter of fact he was on um uh nfl total access that's NFL, what it, yeah I, I saw that saying he embraces the competition if they draft joe mixon or a running back yeah, that that was that was interesting, or or even his uh, one of his counterparts uh, from his uh, alma mater, LSU, Louisiana State, the Tigers, uh, and Leonard Fournette. You know, he says competition is only going to push him. I mean, as a, as a pro athlete, that's the only way you can uh, you can look at it because you you have to be a competitor. But I mean, for the most part, uh, it was a lackluster year for our backs in general, but the the bottom line is the offensive line really struggled. So it really didn't matter who was behind, who was in the backfield, I think. But uh, they, the Bengals have to solidify the offensive line up front. And then from there, uh, you know, they're, they're going to address and add some more, uh, more talent in the backfield. And, uh, you know, you, just judging off that season from last year, Jeremy Hill did kind of take a step backwards. You know, so uh, he and then he had durability issues. He had some some nicks, some nagging injuries. He finished the season, but uh, you know, with Giovanni Bernard coming off an ACL ACL injury and not knowing if he's going to be ready for training camp, uh, starting off, they re-signed uh, Cedric Pierman. Uh Unfortunately, I wanted us to keep him, but we had Rex Burkhead. He left via free agency, and he's a he he works like a Swiss Army knife, and he'll be perfect for Belichick in uh, their offense uh, with the Patriots. So with that being said, uh, you're basically down to one healthy running back or two healthy running backs because Pierman actually came off of ACL as well. So 
for starting running backs wise, you, they're going to have to infuse some talent. So I definitely see them within the second or third round taking a running back out of this class. One other late visit was uh, the offensive tackle Cam Robinson from Alabama. Um, who went to and visited Cincinnati. Um, But uh, one other guy who visited and was very excited about it, I think he's just an excitable character, and his play on the field definitely carries that. The Washington Huskies product, who should have won an island, but he was wearing Nikes, um, but he broke that, you know, uh, record that Adidas put up as the wager for the free island, is Jonathan Ross. Um, And I think that would be that that Marvin Jones might be role, or even better, uh, maybe if we think back to the days of one Peter Warwick for the Cincinnati Bengals. I, you know, I, I, I thought about him too, and I'm, I'm not going to rule him out. I, I look at John Ross, and that's definitely going to be in the first round if they go that route. And here's another team up north name I'll put out there: if, if they take a John Ross, the Bengals take a John Ross in the first round, then I'm coming back in the second round, and I'm even looking at defensive end and looking at a Taco Charlton. I have huge respect for that guy, uh, just the way he played in the game and uh, the way he's Correct. played. His, I, I, there was no drop-off, as some you know people have talked about uh, very much the drop-off in production from Miles Garrett after having 25 sacks in the first two years and then coming back with only four. Um, you, you, you really tackled Charlton's body of work with double-digit sacks each year at the team up north. Um, you know, had been very, very impressive. Exactly. So I mean, that would be a, that would be a great pickup, and and you know the Bengals, in general, their their defensive line and their style and the way Gunther kind of wants to run it is the same way that Zimmer did, uh, Mike Zimmer did, and, and you need depth, you know. And if you look at how the Giants were successful in getting pressure on the Patriots, they had a deep rotation of defensive ends that could move down to uh, like a Justin Tuck who could sneak down from defensive end and play a little defensive tackle. And that's the same scheme that the Bengals are running. So they like a defensive end who can play defensive end and then also sneak down into that defensive tackle box as well and uh, give you a few snaps here and there. So I I, I really like that Charlton pick. You know, if they were to go offense the uh, first round and come back and take a tackle Charlton, I I think that would be a first, you know, a great first two rounds. All right, give us the Garrett Staples big board. Your top three picks for number nine, number 41, and number 73, who you would select if you were making the call. Okay. Well, if I'm I'm making the selection, the first round, my my first three options uh, in this first round, if they're available, my first one would be Solomon Thomas. If Solomon Thomas is off of my big board, I could go – I would go Reuben Foster, and if he's not available, uh, Derek Barnett, and I'll add one more just in case uh, wide receiver Corey Davis in the first round. Um, If we're coming down to the second round, my first pick would be Joe Mixon, the uh, running back. Joe Mixon isn't available. Um, I'd possibly look at if uh, Raekwon McMillan is there. And if not, then I would look at a, uh, excuse me, a Jabril Peppers at safety. Um, coming back to my, my third round, I still think the Bengals need an a inside linebacker. If they haven't addressed that then, then I'm looking at a Ben Bullware out of Clemson. Um, I'm looking at an offensive tackle, Taylor Moton out of Western Michigan. 
or I'm looking at a um, a Charles Walker, a defensive tackle out of Oklahoma. And if we really wanted to, to get bigger and, and just really nasty up front, which I feel you need to be in AFC North, I'd even look at this nose tackle, 330 pounds, uh, Stevie Atua Kalutu uh, out of USC. You know, and even in the third round, I could see I could see the Bengals, the third or the fourth round, I could see them also going cornerback to bolster up that uh, that cornerback situation because with the, the situation that's happening with Adam Jones, uh, his legal issues, who knows what Roger Goodell is going to do to him before uh, – before the beginning of the season. He may be suspended for a few games. So they're going to need to solidify that defensive backfield from the safeties to uh, to free safety, I should say, because they re-signed Ioka and they re-signed uh, Williams, but I'm not high up on Sean Williams. Ioka is fine, but they, you know, besides uh, William Jackson, who is basically he redshirted a year with that torn pectoral, so we'll see how he does coming out of Houston. You know, he has to play well. But Darquez Denard, that's a make-or-break season for him because he's in the contract year coming out of Michigan State. He was, a, uh, I think, a Thorpe Award winner, and he hasn't lived up to the uh, the hype with uh, injuries. You know, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how these guys perform. Well, then the Bengals do stay true to their style and take another defensive back early in the draft. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking uh, third round and down is, it's, it's, it's possible for them to look at a defensive back. Well, I think all of Houday will rejoice long as it's not the first round in that ninth pick. Uh, overall. That, is, that, is, that, is, that is correct. I, I don't, none of us want to see another defensive back in the uh, first round. Do you think these pundits are right that basically that first round pick, I mean, you said all the names that are possible out there, So, but the Bengals pretty much um, should go defensive end probably there yes. at number nine. Yes, I, I think I think you know, like I said, when it comes to the division we play in, you got a Joe Flacco who can push the ball downfield. You have a, uh, of course, Big Ben who can can launch it. You've got to be able to get pressure to the quarterback, and that's what the Bengals were lacking. They were very low uh, the year before that when they went to the playoffs. They were they were in the top ten at least for for quarterback pressure and hurries and sacks. And you can see just the drop-off where uh, this season, this pre-past season, the Bengals were uh, one of the lowest at, at generating pressure, quarterback hurries, sacks, and those kinds of things or whatever. And uh, they they paid for it. And, and when you have a, a so-so, I should say, secondary, they, they got exposed. So they really have to bolster this pass rush. All right. Well, we're definitely looking forward to the draft in the city of brotherly love uh, starting uh, Thursday night um, and going through the weekend. It's always fun to put the draft on the background, especially even in the late rounds, uh, trying to follow that ticker and catch your team and what selection they made and make sure you ever recognize the name as it goes past. So uh, make, make sure you're following us at with an Ohio bias. Uh, you can listen to all the podcasts with an Ohio bias.com um, follow Garrett at Ohio player 80 and make sure you give us a like on Facebook and uh, Garrett, go ahead and take us out. Hey, um, bang on me. Hey man, we're getting ready for the, we're coming up and approaching the, the NFL draft. It's exciting. Uh, you know, how can you not as a football fan be excited that, you know, you can get your team and make them better. And uh, the Bengals, like I said, they have 11 picks. 
And if they really take and, and really study Duke Tobin as our, our guy for player personnel and Marvin Lewis and the brain trust with Bangledom, they can really make this team and, and, and bolster this lineup and kind of get the, the defense and solidify the offensive line and, and get us ready for ASC North trench warfare. Absolutely. Definitely excited for the draft. <clears throat> and we'll definitely have a post-draft podcast coming for you, breaking down all the selections by the Cincinnati Bengals in the 2017 NFL draft. Uh, Garrett, if you want to sign off. Hey, hey uh, Bangladon, it's good talking to you. You know, I'm always excited. I'm always happy to talk Cincinnati Bengals with you. I think it'll be, I, I don't know, it's just, it's going to be one of those seasons, you know, after the draft where, we'll, we'll, like uh, Demetrius said, we're going to reevaluate all the picks. And it's, it's just going to be a very interesting season because you have a lot of old faces, a lot of veterans that uh, the Bengals have, uh, the front office has moved out of there. So you got a lot of new guys who are going to be inserted into the starting lineup. So I'm, I'm just excited to see how the season is going to play out. You know who these the all these training camp battles when these guys are drafted. So it, it's just a fun, exciting time, and uh, you're you're getting new blood pumped into the uh, into the confines of uh, of Bangalore. So I, I just look for look forward to it, and uh, like I always say at the end, who they? Welcome to the jungle. All right. All righty. Oh, we got the Buckeyes here. Okay. It's gonna be pretty easy. Yeah, um, I'm ready. I, actually, I, I got them all. I got them all right here. All right, hold on. I wrote some stuff down on something else because I was talking to somebody and I got got to. Of course, that's not the right notebook. Hold on a second. Okay. This is with an Ohio bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. The 10th unit report with an Ohio bias presents the 10th unit report post OSU spring game edition featuring Garrett Staples. Uh, Garrett, we welcome the people into the podcast. How you doing, man? After a big weekend down in Columbus, man, uh, you could just feel the excitement. Uh, it felt like the whole city and, Folks from out of town, as I was riding up uh, I-71 from Cincinnati up to Columbus, I saw a lot of OSU tags from Illinois, uh, Texas. I mean, it was, it was it was a lot of people coming up here to Columbus to, uh, to see this uh, this new team for 17, and uh, I, I was very I was very impressed. Um, some of the things that really stuck out to me, besides the tailgating and everybody, was just it was just a great atmosphere. It was electric. It was an electric atmosphere, a sea of red, and that's the, the way it should be of uh, of scarlet and gray. So um, some of the keys that I really uh, – oh, Hold on. I, let's not jump too far ahead here. Okay. Let's okay. set it up here. Um, yeah, in this podcast, we're going to just talk about five takeaways each. 
uh, what happened to the spring game and then get that full tailgate experience. Uh, Garrett was just discussing as he was driving up, he was down there in the midst of the 81,000-plus that uh, took over Columbus, as they do when the Scarlet and Gray play. Um, Garrett, I think the biggest takeaway for me to start this out, and I know this is probably going to be on your list too, we finally got to see Ohio State score some touchdowns. It had been a long time, especially since what happened in the Fiesta Bowl. Exactly. It, it really looked like, I mean, you could really see where the offense, it wasn't vanilla, it wasn't balled down, it wasn't played close to the vest. It was more explosive, like up, up under uh, Tom Herman. So I, I, I think you can feel, and that, of course, that was on my list, you can feel the, the handprint of Kevin Wilson on this offense already. Already. It, it, it's, it's aggressive, and he takes shots. It's a, I saw a few trick plays uh, out there already. This is this is a, this is going to be an exciting offense to watch, and I look for record numbers to be put up again. Well, and that is the big thing that we all are looking forward to. Um, that I think that's a key thing there. You talked about this might be a situation where Urban Meyer can definitely trust that offense. Um, like you said, when he had Tom Herman there, there there's more of a. Uh, a hands-off approach where he can let Kevin Wilson really get his hands around that offense and call it the way that he wants to while Urban Meyer just steers the full ship for the Ohio State Buckeyes. So that 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 definitely is always a good thing to have there. Um, when we talk about that offense too, man, one of the things that's impressive, we, we know they threw the ball around. We'll get to that because uh, people are already going crazy with quarterback controversy, but we know JT Barrett's going to be the starter. And it was good to see him look like he had some trust in the wide receivers, and especially with uh, Paris Campbell and also um, McLaren and K.J. Hill. Uh, the, the wide receiver course, man, it was, was it revamped. I, mean, I think last year, other outside of Noah Brown, we really didn't see anyone who could really get any separation from the defensive backs. And, oh, my goodness, uh, I mean, the names that you just named from Paris Campbell to, to Dixon to Benjamin Victor, I mean, it was just like a night and day experience where you just saw separation and explosiveness and wide receivers getting away from defensive backs. And that will lead me into a, a couple comments with the younger DBs who got to fill all these holes uh, as far as DBU is concerned going to the NFL draft from Ohio State uh, in the upcoming draft this year. Yeah, they, they, these guys are wide open, so it does make you worry a little bit about that secondary coverage. Exactly. exactly. But the one, the, the one big takeaway to me, Garrett, was the size of some of these enrol early enrollees. Uh, they might have been out of position a little bit at times, and, and you can shore that up here as we get you know um, back to the summer and uh, they get back to practicing in August. But um, you know you can't teach size. And Sheffield and Wade, these kids are bigger than I expected, uh, bigger than the numbers projected when they came in. Exactly. They. I mean the DBs. Look, that's the one thing I, I do trust is in uh, our defensive back coaches, um, and especially with uh, Kerry Combs, he will have those guys ready, and they they will learn technique. And th those are you know those are those are fixes like you said throughout the spring, and especially during the dog days of summer and summer camp leading into fall, those things will get corrected. And you know like like I said, you know you got to learn on the fly with these younger guys. So I'm I'm not. I'm not too concerned, but you could really see the size and athleticism, and, and they'll be able to go up against the, the, the jump ball or type receivers that can play basketball this season. You know, like when we played Clemson, we were 
you can see where we were. We were kind of we struggled a little bit DB wise, but uh, we we really had some athletes coming in in the defensive backfield. Uh, we talk about coverage too. We saw the linebackers and uh, the DBs up front. Larry Johnson, uh, everybody's touting that rotation, possibly of eight guys who could make an impact on that defensive yes. line. But we saw Sam Hubbard drop back in coverage a lot. That might be something that we see a lot. And then um, Jalen Holmes, not only making plays on the field during the spring game, but making the big play and proposing to his girlfriend uh, on the sideline during the middle of the game. <laughs> That's funny. I actually I have a friend, and uh, that's actually her nephew in, in Jalen Holmes. So I'm I'm just happy for the guy. And I'm not sure if you were following, you know, uh, those guys out in Columbus. Uh, they do do great coverage on the Buckeyes uh, with eleven Warriors. Uh, one of the things they were saying, just because of how the the depth, like you just uh, mentioned before, the depth of the defensive line. There might be some situations where we, we, we're talking some Buddy Ryan ball where you're talking about a bare defense putting in uh, five defensive linemen to get some of these guys uh, more snaps and more reps during the game. And not to be lost um, with the addition of Kevin Wilson, but uh, Greg Schiano takes over full-time with the departure of Luke Fickle down to uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats. But Schiano is known to be innovative like that. We know what he did with Rutgers and even what he did at the NFL with the defense with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The defense wasn't a problem with the Buccaneers. It was the scoring. But that's a story for another podcast, uh, Garrett. Um, you know, it's exciting to see a defense. The one guy that we didn't see was Brandon, Brown, uh, Brandon Browning, who had the uh, torn labrum. Um, he'll be back in the fall so that defense will still have more talent coming yes yes uh i i mean it's man i know, I know this is how you know it's going to be so much talent and that's what I, I think larry johnson lacked a little bit of that of that last season and it showed just where the the, the buckeyes you know normally the the depth just didn't have that true depth and now he's he's going to have an abundance of talent along that defensive line. And one thing about Larry Johnson is he gets the most out of his out of his defensive line. I, I think it's a great problem to have. That's what you need because you, you, you win, like I always say, you win up front in the trenches on the defensive line and offensive line. And I was impressed with both lines defensively. And, I, you know, I thought that was a very – it was a weak point. Uh, for the Buckeyes last season, the offensive line, especially at the tackle positions, and it, and it really looked to be improved. So I'm I'm really happy with both lines, and that's where you win in football. You also win up front, and one guy that I have, I think everybody in Buckeye Nation has been maybe too hard on, but it was warranted with some bad performances. Uh, we did not have to put the magnifying glass or even think about the offensive line. They look very well opening up holes. Um, and uh, Isaiah Prince, you know, looks to be yes. improving, so the hard work seems to be paying off. Yes, a guy a guy, uh, highly recruited and highly touted out of Maryland, uh, Isaiah Prince. And, you know, Michael Jordan, uh, he got his name called once, I think, for uh, ill-advised play or, or false story or something. But overall, it, it, you could just really see – from the freshman year to the sophomore year, the the improvement, you know, and, and and that's that's hard as a true freshman to start, you know, but you can really see the improvement over this uh, this spring game and during the spring of these guys. I mean, it was it was it was really like night and day. So I really look for us to get back to that 
to that spread offense with the the, the uh, power running game setting you up for the play action passing game, Kevin Wilson. You know, and and the, I, I saw more of uh, some of the, uh, the 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 slants, and um, I saw some more. Not just those. It was so it was so predictable the offense last year, where it was just a button hook for the wide receivers. And now that's not the case. You, I saw vertical vertical routes. I saw slants. I saw posts. I, I mean, I saw the whole route tree being ran with the Buckeyes. So it, it, it just it just it's going to be an explosive passing attack. And Urban Meyer, if you remember after that Clemson game, as we do, one thing he he, he made assure and he assured us all of. He said, "Hey, man." We're going to open up this uh, this passing attack, and I will address it. And, and it really looks to be addressed. Well, we'll get to the passing attack, but it also starts up front with those guys uh, blocking and opening up holes. Uh, Mike Weber Jr. looked more explosive and looked stronger, uh, even pass blocking. Uh, and then also to the Lorraine product, Demario McCall looked like a great wow. change of pace and uh, wow. exploded out there. We might even have a possible thunder and lightning situation. Wow, I, I put I, and I put next to Demario McCall. This is what I put. Even if Web, Mike Weber Jr. is uh, or Mike Weber is at uh, you know the starting tailback, this guy I put Demario McCall next part Percy Harvin with a question mark. That's how he looked to me on the field. He just looked like he he was in another gear compared to everybody else. You know, so uh, I'm I'm really excited for this kid, and I, I mean he's just just explosive, man, man, oh man. And just we explosive. know how phys- we know how physical the season can be, so it's great to have that depth and one other guy that can fill that role. Uh, God forbid something happens to the talent that uh, starts, but uh, he looked very impressive. And I know it's only a spring game, but he made some great catches, and that was one, Johnny Dixon. Very impressive, very explosive had great separation away from uh defenders and that and that's what you want and I, I really think that's what the Buckeyes lacked from their wide receiving corps uh last season. I don't know if it was the route tree or, or, or which was very predictable last year, like I said, button hooking, that was pretty much it. But I mean you saw vertical fly patterns getting down the field. And uh, I look at it like this, you know, JT, he, he can't, he's going to have time this year. So normally when he gets a clean pocket, he can, he can let it rip. And he's going to have to be, he's going to have to be accurate with his downfield ball because guys are going to be open because they, they are very explosive. And I, I, like I said, I was very, like you, like you mentioned, just impressed with uh, Dixon and his, his speed and separation. Let's get to what everybody's going crazy about. You know, um, I went crazy about those DBs, man. I'm telling that the kid from Texas, Jeffrey Okuda, and then you know yes. uh, Isaiah Pryor. I mean, it's just the size. But uh, so I, I, I think DBU's in good hands. But uh, JT Barrett, we saw Dwayne Haskins come in, and then I love. Huh. The Plains, Ohio product, uh, everybody down there in Athens County loves him. Joe Burrow time was even more excellent than it was last year in this OSU yeah. spring game. Uh, I, let me let me put this out here, and I was I was looking, you know, I was at the spring game. Let me put this out here: if we have any slip ups, where you know sometimes JT can be afraid to where to go with the ball, and just when I was in the stands with a couple of guys, they were saying, "Man, 
you know, we may not get to see these kids uh, again for the rest of the season, but uh, if we do, I think we're even in better hands. I mean, these kids were really throwing the, the backups as far as uh, Dwayne Haskins and Joe, Joe Burrow. They, I mean, they were threading the needle, putting the ball on the money where only the receiver could get it. And, I mean, they're doing this at early ages. So I, I really feel like, you know, this is either going to make or break uh, JT his uh, senior year because the pressure is on because those kids look fantastic. Even Tate Martell for that quarterback sneak where he about juke two defenders to run into the uh, end zone. All three quarterbacks uh, were just, just impressive. And, and, and like, you know, I, I looked on uh, one site with the 11 Warriors where they were saying you might have that situation where you had a Cardell, you had a JT, and a Braxton Miller. That's the kind of situation that it looks like uh, with our quarterbacks that we're bringing in to this season. Well, that's always a good problem to have. Uh, it, 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 you know, it, it sent some Buckeyes to the hospital and others of us uh, grasping for our pain medication uh, to relieve the stress, but definitely something that you rather have more talent or and not be like per don't and not have any talent. So, you know, you, you take the talent when you can get it. Um, how did you feel about the Buckeyes not going tackling, but then, you know, that competition came out and we saw a little bit of contact there in the second half? Um, you know, from a fan standpoint, you, 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 you want to see them come out there and you want to see them hit. But I was okay with it. I mean, you know, the college football season now is a lot deeper when you talk about guys, especially upperclassmen, playing in the playoffs, that kind of sort of thing. You know, you're you're almost getting into more of a, a NFL style uh, uh, schedule. So, with that being said, uh, Urban Meyer and, and I trust the coaching staff, Mickey Mariotti, the strength coach, and those guys. Uh, you know, just preserving some of these upperclassmen and, and limiting some of their uh, the hitting involved and, and letting the younger guys hit and, and get a taste of everything. So, I was okay with what they did because mainly it really looked like the the starters, they really didn't do as much hitting, but the younger pups, the, the freshmen, the, the early enrollees, they let them hit, you know, to get a, get a taste of things. So I'm, I'm fine with that. And then uh, you got any other takeaways that you want to get in there? Um, yeah, I think we, we've pretty much touched everything from the offensive line to the defensive line. And, and, and I was even impressed with uh, the little bit I saw from Benjamin Victor, the, the tall wide receiver. He dropped well, the one think, pass in the end zone that everybody was a little – I mean, you heard a yeah, gas through. Yeah. But, but you talk about threading the needle. That pass was so on the money for a fade route throw. Um, but, uh, Garrett, uh, tell us about the tailgate experience. You know, some of us had to watch it from the Big Ten Network and just hear Glenn Mason and uh, whoever the other guy, I forget his name, that was doing the coverage, not even be able to recognize the difference between Cardell Jones and Troy Smith. So that's what we were subjected <laughs> to. But you were in the mix with everybody down there in Columbus. Just give us a little uh, taste of how it was to tailgate. Uh, it, it was a uh, who's who of, uh, you know, recent Buckeyes um, for the spring game. And just, I mean, just the atmosphere. I mean, you had tents trailers set up. I mean, you would have thought it was a regular season game, the atmosphere. I mean, kibasi, bratwurst, uh, hot dogs, hamburgers. It, it was just a great experience. You had, uh, you know, good drinks uh, and, and people just fellowshipping and, and just talking Buckeyes football and, and just 
just having an overall good time, a great experience. The weather, you know, you had a little slight rain that kind of cooled things off, but then once you got in the stadium, the sun broke and it, and it warmed up. And, I mean, it was just it just turned out to be a beautiful day, a great experience. God loves football. God loves Ohio State. Um, I think the best and most important score, Garrett, was the last touchdown, and that was won by Jacob Jarvis. Um, the story is well known about the young man who had been a big part of the national championship run. Um, his his one of his yeah. best, one of his uh, best uh, friends. God damn, what is the tight tight end that went to Denver that played for Denver, the Ohio State Buckeye. Oh, um, oh, I know who you're talking about. Went to Denver. Oh, Jake, man. Jake, uh, Jake. Uh, I'm saying, I'm seeing Jake Hireman because that guy had made a play during Jeff, the game. Jeff Hireman. Jeff Hireman. No, it's not. It's Jake something. It's Jake Stonebrenner. There you go. Uh, okay. Very well known. Jacob Jarvis, you know, became real good friends with. Jake Stonebrenner, and that friendship led to the whole Buckeye team adopting him. And this is not one of those situations where you see Garrett in sports where sometimes, you know, it just lasts for a year. So this friendship has lasted longer than that with the Buckeye program. And I thought no better way to end that spring game. It was a surprise to me and, uh, you know, almost brought a tear to a lot of Buckeye fans' eyes. But to see him dab after that touchdown uh, definitely put the cherry on top of a great day for the Scarlet and Gray. Yeah, that was just, I mean, that was just a, a great moment. Um, it just shows you what, what the Buckeyes are about, what Urban Meyer is about, and it, it was just a just a classy move. And, and you wouldn't expect anything else from Ohio State. And it, 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 was one, it was a tearjerker, too, as well. I definitely agree. And then we can't uh, leave this podcast without, you know, I'm not going to mention all the names, but we know there was a lot of recruits in the house. Some have already committed, but I don't know how you would not want to go to Ohio State after seeing that scene of 81,000-plus. And also, too, seeing the honorary coaches, Phil Knight, the CEO, creator of all things Nike, the swoosh, and, of course, the great, the incomparable Dr. Coach Lou Holtz on the sidelines. That is correct. Uh as I as I I don't know if you're if you're any hip hop fans, but um, what's my guy DJ Khaled say? He says it's cloth talk, and uh, you know that's what we're talking when you're talking Phil Knight and, and Nike and uh, just uniforms that that sort of thing. Uh, that's a, the CEO of Nike. It's, it's it's a big time big time guy, you know, and that was a great honorary uh, person to have there. And just uh, Lou Holtz, I've always liked Lou Holtz. Uh, Legendary coach, Hall of Fame coach, uh, great, great guy, TV uh, personality, and you know it was just it was just a special atmosphere. It was just what you what you would expect. I mean, you even had you know you had Bill Belichick there at one point, I believe. I don't know if it was during the spring game or I think it was earlier that week, but you know yeah, he was there for pro day. He was there for pro day, and it was just a testament where you know him and Sean Payton were. The guys, you know, the way they train, they they train these guys up there in Columbus. Um, it's it's for pro ready, being pro ready for the NFL. You know, uh, Sean Payton said that in a quote: "Once they go to Ohio State, I know they're ready for the NFL." And you can look at a Michael Thomas, you can look at a Von Bell that are right on the Saints roster right now, and they're contributing and playing well and starting. 
And you can also look at the two gentlemen. Uh, a lot of Buckeyes were recognized, but one of the biggest ovations, of course, was for Ezekiel Elliott and Joey Bosa, and we know what they did in the NFL for their respective teams. So definitely um, a huge impact on the NFL. Gary, what you want to leave the people with uh, as your thoughts uh, as we're waiting a long time? I mean, you, you think about the one thing that makes you bittersweet about the spring game is that you know you got to wait much longer for regular football in the fall. Exactly. I just, uh, you know, the Buckeyes, as far as their secondary, this is a, it's a great opportunity for them just to get better over the summer because you got a lot of younger guys who are going to have to step in and fill shoes, fill in for shoes, you know, as as true freshmen. So uh, that's going to be that's going to be interesting. But I know Kerry Coons, he'll he'll get those guys coached up and have them ready to go, and just just uh, just the off, I mean, the the depth of the defensive line. You know, I think we should have one of the best defensive lines in the nation. And just, oh, my goodness, man, the explosiveness, excuse me, under Kevin Wilson and his playbook. His playbook is, is, is wow. It just makes you say, wow. That's all I can say. Just just look for an explosive offense. I, I, I think they should be averaging in the 30s with, with this offense under Kevin Wilson. I mean, if you, you think about it, Kevin Wilson came over from Indiana and they weren't getting four stars and five stars across the board like uh, Ohio State is getting. You give Kevin Wilson this kind of talent, you know, at his disposal, and and I look for us to be easy on average in the thirties. You know, not you know not having some forty and fifty point nights with it, with this offense. Well, you, that's gonna have to hold you over until the Buckeyes kick off. We'll be back in the spring. Uh, we'll be back. We'll be back in the summer with a couple podcasts as as summer practice. Excuse me. As August uh-huh. practice kicks off, we'll be talking everything Buckeye on the tenth unit report. But if you need more with an Ohio Bias podcast, you can always go to withanohiobias dot com. You can find a podcast on the Stitcher app. And iTunes, all you have to do is search with an Ohio bias. You can also listen on our YouTube channel. We have snippets if you found us there. Thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you're following us at with an Ohio bias on Twitter and definitely give us a like on Facebook with an Ohio bias. As always, go Buckeyes. OH, Garrett. IO. All right. I was trying to think. I had one other thing I was going to get there. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I don't understand if you're a recruit and you can sit down on the sidelines and you can talk to Phil Knight, you wouldn't want to go to Ohio State. <laughs> and then yeah. uh, definitely think about your shoe deal and your dreams of the NFL. Exactly. I mean, you and then to talk to Lou Holtz, I mean, <laughs> it's like, that's a, that's a who's who, man. I mean, I, I, I don't either. You know, unless you're, you're Oregon where, you know, that's Phil Knight's alma mater or whatever. You know, other than that, I don't see why you wouldn't be coming to Ohio State, man. It's It's just – and I think like a lot of recruits, uh, another recruit said, uh, you know, even if football doesn't pan out for me, you know, they have one of the alum- largest alumni. And he said it was just a family atmosphere. And I know that, you know, my if my if my professional career doesn't take off, I'll be able to, uh, you know, to, to come back as a professional, you know, in the workforce and and just have so much such a network, you know, to, to make things work. So it's it's. It's good, man. It's a good look.
Absolutely, and uh, if you're still jonesing for more Buckeye talk, we got a great podcast we did before the LSU spring game with uh, former 2001 MVP Jonathan Wells, who uh, he'll get you pumped up and make you feel like you're ready for the big rivalry game uh, against the team up north. He talks about his great memories uh, playing under both John Cooper and Coach Jim Trestle. So that's another great podcast to listen to you to hold you over until the Buckeyes uh, get back in the summertime. All right, man, that's all we got, brother. All right, bud. All right. Thank you for your time, sir. Not a problem. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but, yeah, I mentioned the YouTube thing. Like, I'm going to make some snippets, and, uh, you know, I put a little images with it now, so we're getting a little more creative with what we're doing here. So. Okay. Okay. So I'll send it to you when uh, it's done. So. Sounds good. And I'm going to hold the Bengals one and drop it probably on Monday so or Sunday. I don't know. But uh, I'm going to get this Ohio State one turned around first, and then I'll hold the Bengals one. But I'm going to do a snippet of the Bengals podcast, so that will be out there, and then we'll build it up like that. So, Okay. All right, man. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you. All right. Take care, All right. man.